Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. All right, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Manna for Breakfast. We're going to do the... uh, Audio podcast version today. We don't have bandwidth up here. I tried doing the live version, didn't work. So I got a lot of noise going on around me, but we're gonna make it make it work. So we're in Psalm 136 this morning and Psalm 146 and 1 Corinthians 3, if you want to find your place in the Bible. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time. We ask that you would, as always, show us these things, especially some of the in light of some of these interesting psalms that we have here, God, as we read them and we're blessed by them, but we don't always understand everything you want us to see in them. So just help us, God, during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 136, this is a thanks for the Lord's goodness to Israel. And boy, are you going to get the idea of that. Everything is about giving thanks for God is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. And you can imagine that's a song sung by the Israelis. And imagine even as they go up to the Song of Ascents, it's up to Israel. Be such a blessing to hear that someone sing it. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who alone does great wonders, his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who made the heavens with skill, his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who made the great lights, for his loving kindness is everlasting. The sun to rule by day, for his loving kindness is everlasting. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who smote the Egyptians and their firstborn, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And brought Israel out from their midst, for his loving kindness is everlasting. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his loving kindness is everlasting. But he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who smote great kings, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And slew mighty kings, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Sihon, the king of the Amorites, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And Og, the king of Bashan, for his loving kindness is everlasting. And gave their land for a heritage, his loving kindness is everlasting. Even a heritage to Israel, his servant, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Who remembered us in our lowest state, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Who has rescued us from our adversaries, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Who gives food to all flesh, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of heaven, his loving kindness is everlasting. So you get the idea, right? But I can imagine how one person would sing the the words and the other people would echo it. In almost a choir setting. I, in my mind, how beautiful it would be to constantly be singing this and remembering in all of their history that God was kind and he was loving. And this being from psalmists and people during the day who had kingdoms attack them, 
who had all kinds of issues with obedience and false gods. And uh, I can imagine life was not easy. But they still saw that there was no God like Yahweh. We know the other people worshipped these false gods, these fallen ones who had built themselves up and these demonic angels to be gods, but they were capricious. They were mean. They were bloodthirsty. And so compared to the other nations that worshipped these other gods, even as licentious as they were, allowing the flesh to go crazy, they were still nothing compared to the loving kindness of Yahweh. It's a little bit like a child who grows up in a, a parent that is very strict and loves them and won't let them get away with anything. And they may for a time think their parents are harsh and unloving, but they realize as they grow up that all that discipline and everything they did for them was out of their loving kindness, making their life a challenge to them so that they would respond and do what is right. And they only did it because they loved them. And this is, I think, how the psalmist is viewing this. It's beautiful. Okay, we jump over to Psalm 146 now. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord while I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not trust in princes, in mortal man, in whom there is no salvation. His spirit departs, he returns to the earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. How blessed is he whose help is in the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord protects the stranger. The Lord supports the fatherless and the widow. When he thwarts the way of the wicked, the Lord will reign forever. You, O God, O Zion, to all generations, praise the Lord. Man, anytime somebody says the God of the Old Testament is harsh and cruel, you need to read him that psalm. These people saw him as being good and kind, the protector, the creator, the one who builds us up when we're bowed down, the one who cares about us. And all this before the grace of the New Testament and before the cross, you really get the idea of the true heart of a man who walked or a woman who walked with God, who knew Yahweh for who he was, even in the Old Testament sense, which is really mind-blowing to me. But it, it does demonstrate the character of God that David understood, that David was always trying to reflect. Do not put your trust in man because man perishes. And in the moment he's gone, even his thoughts perish. Essentially, his structures, belief system, whatever he was pushing perishes. It's not, it does not last. What lasts is God's word. Pretty phenomenal, pretty important. All right, now we can move over to 1 Corinthians. And we are in chapter 3. Paul, of course, writing to this kind of, well, not kind of, carnal church. Having all kinds of issues with the flesh. They, they had received the gospel, but they were kind of living a lot like churches today. Uh, yeah, we believe in Jesus, but we're just going to keep doing whatever we want to do in the flesh. This would be Paul writing the progressive woke church of today. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? 
For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? Servants, through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then, neither the one who plants or the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one. But each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building, according to the grace of God which was given to me. Like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it. For no one man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, he will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish, so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, He is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasoning of the wise, that they are useless. So then, let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All things belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. I love the way he ends that. All right, what's the exhortation? Stop being dumb. (laughs) Stop being children. Uh, stop being in the flesh. He says that he had to give them the milk of the word. Paul came and laid the foundation, which is what? Which is Christ Jesus crucified for you. Christ Jesus crucified for you, taking your sins upon the cross, taking it all, all the punishment, all the wrath of God, and then rising up from the dead the third day so that you would not have to go under the penalty of, of the punishment of death because of the wages of your sin. So that was a foundation. They were supposed to receive that, rejoice over it, and then understand that now they were to rise up in the newness of life with Christ through their baptisms, to be raised up anew and to walk with him no longer after the flesh, no longer according to the flesh. And he's saying, but you guys are doing exactly that. You started out right, but now you you have these jealousies and strife and you have these these divisions And obviously we see from later on in Corinthians, they were getting drunk at church and they were being, they were being mean. They were eating the food before the widows could come. They were doing all kinds of dumb things. And so Paul says, I've, I've, and, and they said they were partisan. They were thinking, well, I'm a better Christian than you because I got saved by Paul's preaching. And the other one says, well, I got saved by Apollos and he's a great orator. And he's saying, we're nothing. It's God that gives increase. God is the one who causes all things. We're just his servants. So then he gets in this whole thing about laying on a foundation uh, and being tested, whether laid by gold or silver or anything else. 
and that each man's work will be tested. Boy, that reminds me, I think, a lot today. Uh, you think of the Vatican and the gold and the riches they have. They, they're one of the. Um, they're more wealthy than most countries sixth largest economic base in the world or something. They are extremely powerful. But then you think about the Protestant church with these TV evangelists and these these idiots evangelists that have three or four Gulfstream fives. That their whole ministry seemed to be based around how much money they have and how much money they can get and show off in their mansions. Pretty evident it's going to be tested by the fire. And if it gets burned up... <laughs> Uh, well, all we can say is, Paul says at least they'll be saved as through fire. If they're saved at all, it's going to be like God is just going to rescue them out of a burning building. They're barely going to get there. I don't know if they're, I don't think they're saved. But anyway, uh, the, the foundation for a ministry of any ministry in any church is to build upon the foundations already laid. Jesus Christ, him crucified, and, and not try to make the ministry a reflection of your own vanity and your own desire for riches. God can bless churches, and he has blessed churches to do the work of the ministry, and I'm thankful that the church I'm from has been blessed financially, but you don't see them using it in a way to glorify themselves. It's a way for glorifying the kingdom. So i got to keep that in mind. But Paul, so wise here on how to be a church and how to be a part of a church. All right, now we'll look over into Charles Spurgeon. This will be fun to see if I can get the these and the thous correctly. Confidence not misplaced. The Lord God will help me, Isaiah 50, verse 7. There's some really interesting old English words here. We're going to see if I can pronounce them or not. These are in prophecy the words of Messiah in the day of his obedience unto death. When he gave his back to the smiters and his cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. He was confident in divine support and trusted in Jehovah. O my soul, thy sorrows are as the small dust of the balance compared with thy Lord's. Canst thou not believe that the Lord God will help thee? Thy Lord was in particular position. For as the representative of sinful men, their substitute and sacrifice... It was needful that the father should leave him and cause him to come under desertion of soul. No such necessity is laid upon thee. Thou art not bound to cry, Why hast thou forsaken me? Did thy Savior, even in such a case, rely upon God, and canst not thou? He died for thee, and thus made it impossible that thou should be left alone. Wherefore, be of good cheer, in this day's labor or trial, say, The Lord God will help me. Go forth boldly, set your face like a flint, and resolve that no faintness and no shamefulness shall come near you. If God helps, who can hinder? If you are sure of omnipotent aid, what can be too heavy for you? Begin the day joyously, and let no shade of doubt come between thee and the eternal sunshine. Father, thank you for those words of encouragement that we need to rest in the shade of, of your completed work. We know that you did it. We know that you took the brunt of all of the shamefulness of man and took it upon yourself. And God never, ever left you there. He let you suffer for the moment that you needed, Father. But then he took you and he rose you from the dead and established you and seated you at his right hand in the position of power. You are, Father, 
not only our, our Lord and our Savior, you are also the creator God of the universe. A, a, a difficult concept for me to fully understand and grasp, but thank you that in your creative power, you created each one of us individually and you loved us. You gave us a spirit, a soul, a purpose, and you plan to resurrect us and give us new bodies and give us positions in your kingdom and to lavish upon us your love for eternity. So we thank you, God, and we ask you to bless this day. Bless everyone here in uh, up in Mascota. They're working with the Vacation Bible School with the kids. So many kids, in fact, coming. We're just overwhelmed. And uh, thank you for for the gifts of evangelism that these uh, these kids have, our, our group and, and Renee. Thank you for Luz and her friends that are helping as well. All this for your for your glory, God. It is the foundation we desire to lay the foundation of, of you, God, the Savior of the world who came and died for our sins. Help these kids understand this in a fun and beautiful way and build their lives upon that foundation. That's our heart. That's our cry, God. So thank you for this beautiful day you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.